But we're going to uh, be teaching these next few weeks out of the Christmas story. And um, whenever we get into this time period, I always uh, have sort of mixed emotions on various levels. Um, The holiday season is really interesting in church life where it is the season we celebrate the coming of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ who came into the earth to redeem us. It's, It's fascinating how sort of spiritually we get suspended. And, and, and I can tell you this, for 25 years I've watched this, that there's something that happens culturally, nationally, um, just in people, that despite the reason for why we are celebrating and gift-giving and buying and all the things that go on, there seems to be sort of a, a, a spiritual timeout that takes place. I guess to get through the holiday, everybody's just focused. They, they're saying, I've got to get through the holiday. I've got to get my Christmas list done. I've got to get my shopping done. I've got to get my dinner plans made. We're going, we're leaving town. We're going here, we're going there. And I just want to encourage you to not let that happen. You don't know that God won't drop a nugget of truth or revelation your direction even during a holiday season. How many of you know the kingdom of God is not suspended because we as a culture celebrate a holiday? And, and, and so I just encourage you to stay alert, to keep on your toes spiritually, and begin to listen for God to maybe speak some new things to you that you've not considered before. Every time I come to the Christmas season and I start looking again through the Christmas passages, this is what I say, oh, sweet Jesus. I appreciate the story. I've I've read it a thousand times. Help me bring something new to the people. I don't want to just enable their tradition. I don't want to enable or, 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 or cement that which is familiar. I want them to be enlivened, to see something they've never seen before, to hear something they've never heard before. And, and, and so we're going to believe. Will you agree with me and believe that God will say things to you in these next four or five weeks? And this is what I believe. I honestly believe, and I didn't plan it this way, but that's how the Holy Spirit does it. You know, sometimes I just start writing, moving, and I just sort of do what I do. I don't, I don't feel, I don't get this buzz up my back. Oh, that's the Holy Ghost right there. I'll just give me a piece of paper. Sometimes it's just really natural, normal. I'm just, I'm just writing notes. I mean, this may sound unspiritual, and, and I'm sorry if it sort of breaks any type of perspective you have, but sometimes I just write a sermon to write a sermon. Now, I realize some of you would say, well, you should be moved of God. Well, I believe I am being moved of God. You know, I, I could say the same. Sometimes, is it not true for you? You just get up and go to work. Isn't that true? I mean, there's nothing spiritual about it. In, fa- in fact, to be candid with you, it's really carnal. You're, going, I, you're saying to yourself, I don't want to do this. I don't like going to work. I don't want to go to work. I don't like where I work. But I want to eat. And I want to pay my bills. So I'm going to work. And, and it doesn't feel all that spiritual. But you know this to be true. Some of you have gone to work on days just like that and God has met you and done something at your workplace despite the fact you weren't feeling all that spiritual. Well, you know, it works that way for me too. Sometimes I just start writing and God's in it anyway. Amen. And then I find out once I start doing this that he act, there's a thread of sense in it. That's really neat when that happens. So keep... Keep yourself alert, because I believe God's going to do some things. And we're going to talk on what I've entitled this Christmas series, Positioning 
Everyone say positioning. Come on, everyone, positioning. Positioning yourself for a breakthrough. Positioning yourself for a breakthrough. How many realize that all of us personally and corporately need to be positioned for a breakthrough? You know, whether it's your own personal life and you're needing a breakthrough relationally, maybe you're just facing some tough times relationally, maybe you're facing difficult times at the job site in your career, again, in the family, in your marriage, your finances, it's a difficult season, there's just some personal challenges that are going on, and you're, you would say to yourself, man, I need a breakthrough in some of these areas. I want you to know that corporately, here we are, we're, we're, we're wanting to buy land and may, maybe build a building here in these next 21 months, and, and we're looking at how to do that and, and what's God's will, and I, I'm just telling you, I could use a breakthrough in that area. So, so all of us, I think, can embrace the concept that we're in a season of breakthrough. When Jesus came to this earth, the Bible says that when he started his ministry, he came to the temple declaring these words, that he had come to speak the favorable year of the Lord. He came, in the literal Greek, it means I've come to declare to you the dawn of a new day. It's a new time, it's a new season. And I've come to initiate and to announce this new season upon you. And there are some things that I began to see in the Christmas story I believe that can help us understand and even implement in our lives that will help position us for breakthrough. In fact, as I was just, again, reading and studying and just letting my mind meditate on some of these concepts, some of you may remember in the Old Testament, David, when he became king over all of Israel, had to go and get the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines, the enemy. And uh, as he was going to get the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines, there was some dramatic happenings as they recaptured the Ark. And once they recaptured the Ark, there was a great celebration that took place. This is before the whole story of them putting it on the cart and, you know, taking it on the cart back to Jerusalem. This is before that even happened. They were celebrating that they had recaptured the Ark of the Covenant, that they'd recaptured the presence of God. And this great celebration took place and David renamed the place of that victory. He actually called it Baal Perazim. And the actual word means this place that he was calling it. He says, I will now call it the place where God breaks through. Isn't that cool? Forever that city was declared the city of God's breakthrough. And so we want to. We want to not only declare it, but we want to cause the land we're standing on even now as you come to the house of God to be a place of breakthrough. We want your house to be a place of breakthrough. We want your relationships and your finances and your, your stressful moments and your challenging situations and your jobs and your careers. How many of you want to see the God of breakthrough begin to show up? Amen, I sure enough do. Now there are two kinds of breakthrough in the Bible. And next week I'm going to give you an illustration. I'm going to use a story, another story out of the Christmas accounts, and you'll begin to see these two features in a little bit more vivid way. But let me just prep you by saying that there are two kinds of breakthrough in the Bible. The first kind is what I've called sovereign breakthrough. Sovereign breakthrough. This is when God shows up because he wants to show up. 
He just does it because he can. You didn't pray about it necessarily. You didn't ask for it. You might not even been believing for it. He just showed up. How many of you know God's God and God can do whatever God wants to do and there are just times God does it. He just shows up despite us, not because of us. And, and that's sovereign breakthrough. And it's phenomenal when God does that in our life, when we don't anticipate it and we, we weren't praying about it or expecting it, but God just breaks through sovereignly because he's God and he's strong and he just said, I want to do it. Amen. But there's a second type of breakthrough that is far more applicable. And as you read the scriptures, you'll find out that God has linked himself more often to this form of breakthrough. And I call it synergistic. Now, that's a fancy word, and the reason I called it that was because they both began with an S. That's why I did that. So, synergistic breakthrough. Synergism. What does synergism mean? That means that God requires something of us to work with him in order for him to break through. Synergy actually is that energy that exists when two people begin to cooperate. Now, again, God can and does sovereignly break through. But you're going to find out that there are times the Lord sort of stands back and he says, will you cooperate with me? Will you trust me? Will you link up with me? Will you exercise faith in me? And there are numerous times God does these very things. He puts out an unusual command. He, he says something that we have to act on before we see it. Numerous times God asks us to link up with him in a special way in order that he might break through. That's the type of breakthrough predominantly we're going to talk about in these next, I think, five weeks. We're going to talk about how God breaks through and what we can do to position ourselves in order to see that happen far more frequently than many of us currently enjoy. And so the series is positioning for a breakthrough, but my lesson this morning is this. This is the first lesson of getting positioned. And I've just put all these lessons with questions. And this is the one this morning. Is everything in order? Is everything in order? Let's read a couple passages. Turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. And let me begin. I'm going to read the Christmas account, very familiar. And then I'm going to leap over to Galatians, chapter 4. And Paul will expand on these accounts here in a little bit more revelatory way. Luke 2, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, in verse 6, that while they were there, the days were completed. You might want to underline that in your Bible. That's the word, the phrase that leapt out to me. The days were completed. How many of you women know that when you're pregnant and expecting, the most wonderful word you can get is this. The days were completed. Hallelujah. 
The days were completed for her to be delivered. Now turn to Galatians 4, and I want to read to you again some verses there that sort of fill in a couple blanks in that particular passage. Galatians 4, and I'll begin reading with verse 3. Paul's beginning to talk about how we have become heirs of the promises of God. And he says in verse 3, chapter 4, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Verse 4, But when the fullness of the time had come, there's the phrase I want you to underline, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And the question this morning is, is everything in order? Now, one of the questions that I have often pondered on occasion has been this. Why did God choose to send his son at the time, at the place, at the century, and the circumstances he did? You know, we, we, we have nativity scenes that we'll put in our front yards or maybe on a, on a, on a credenza of some sort. And, and we know pretty much all the characters in the Christmas story. But have you ever stopped and just wondered why God chose the particular time period, the players, the century, and all the other things that surrounded the coming of the Lord? Why he chose the moment that he did? Why didn't he, why didn't he choose to send the Messiah an hour after Adam and Eve messed up. I mean, they messed up. He could have just sent them, maybe given them an hour or so to think about what they've done, given them a timeout, and then just sent the Messiah and kind of put things, you know, back in place. And he could have done that very cleanly, very quickly, and got it all taken care of. Or why not a year later? Maybe let him, let him dangle a little bit. Maybe a year later. Or why not a century later? Or, I thought, why not send him to our modern era? Good Lord, we need a Messiah, don't we, practically? I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just incredibly difficult hour we're living in, so why not send him in our modern era where we have the technology to, to speak and to communicate instantly all over the world? I mean, what was the reason that God chose the time and the moment and the situation that he did? It's the same question that many of us ask about God when it comes to our personal circumstances. Come on, Lord, why didn't you move an hour after the mess up? Why didn't you just put things into place and move sooner? Why did it seem like you were taking your time in this difficult moment in my life? Why did you make me wonder if you were going to break through or not? Why, 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 did you, why did you seem to be dragging your feet? Why didn't you do it? You know, in a week. I could understand you waiting a week. I would learn my lesson in a week. But I don't understand why you would wait a year. I don't understand why you would wait a decade. I don't even understand why you might wait a lifetime. Has anyone else but me ever wondered why God seems unmoved by our schedules and even our questions? When he could do things so economically if he just got on with it. Now, I, I've taught on this before, so I'm not going to teach you this again, but I just want to quicken your mind to a couple of things as I get into what I really want to share this morning. We've got to understand that there are two concepts of time, and you've got to be sure you're functioning under the right one. There are two concepts of time. The first one 
is what I've just simply called natural time. Now, again, I have, I have a whole message on this. Many of you have heard this. And so I can't take a lot of time dealing with this. But this is the Greek word chronos. Chronos. And it's where we get our word chronological from. And everyone knows that chronological means measurable time. If, if it's a second, a minute, an hour, a day, a year, any time that can be measured is chronological time. Chronos. That's where we get it from the Greek. Now, this is the important part that you need to remember and always keep before you, that God did not create Adam and Eve to function under Kronos. Are you with me? When he created Adam and Eve, he created them to live forever. And when you create someone to live forever, in other words, they do not have a death date. Once you don't have a death date, the clock doesn't matter anymore. The only reason a clock matters to you and me, the only reason we pay attention to measurable time today is because all of us are finite beings we know somewhere out there if jesus comes great if he if he allows us to process through life we know that there's a moment out there that we're going to die because we're finite creatures there's a death date out there for all of us sometime somewhere and because there's a death date out there we know that we're limited we're we're finite and time becomes a precious commodity to each one of us and, and so because of the curse that fell upon Adam and Eve. Now remember, when they were, no, when they were not under the curse, there was no death. They were, they were meant to live forever. But as soon as the curse entered into the equation, death came in, and with death came the clock. And that's why to this day you look at the clock, time's escaping you, and you think it's a curse. It really is. Because time is such an important feature. That's natural time. Chronos time. And because it's finite and it's limited, it becomes, even as we age, a far greater commodity. Amen? I mean, we say to ourselves, how am I going to get this done? I don't have the time to get it done. We get frustrated at, at, in doctor's offices because we wait so long. And, and what about grocery lines? How about Black Friday when you're trying to check out of malls and everything else? And it's just, I mean, we're wasting time. Time. God, don't you see? If you just got with my program, we could get on with things quicker, faster. It would be much better because we've only got a limited amount of time. If you would start the program earlier, you would have much longer to use me. See, wouldn't that be good? That's a good thing. Wouldn't it, Lord? See, you start today and think of all that you can do to use me for the glory of God and for his kingdom. Now, hear me now, that is chronos and that is natural time. Now, you got to get a hold of this because this will be one of the most major revelations that could come to some of you right now, and that is God doesn't give a single rip about time. He doesn't care about your clock and your schedule. I'm sorry. He's the one that said a day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. Whew, ouch. Well, what does that mean? Doesn't he, doesn't he want to move? Doesn't he want to do things? I mean, what, what is there about God then that works within our framework? Well, this is the second concept of time, and I call it eternal time. Eternal time is the Greek word karios. And you'll see very clearly, if I, could, if I could put the original text up, there are moments that, that time is translated chronos, and there are times it is translated karios. And karios is the word that I use for God's time. 
Now, God's time is not always our time. And don't mistake karios to be just long. Because God's not under the curse. Remember that he's not dying. A lot of people think that God just drags his feet. You know, that God just needs sort of like your doting granddad or grandpa, you know, or your grandma. You're, hurry up, come on now, we've got to get, you know, we've got to get where we're going. And, and sometimes I think we develop this picture of God like that. That somehow we've got to kind of scoot him along, hurry up, we need to get there on time. Now listen to me, God's time can indeed be a long time, but not for the reasons you might think. Karios doesn't mean long time, it means right time. Are you with me? God's time means when everything is in order, when everything is in its place, when it's the right moment, then I move. So if all is in order in life and in circumstance, God can move exceedingly fast. I mean, he could blow your socks off if everything gets in order. However, if things are out of order, it can take an incredibly long time. For God to move in our lives. Are you with me now? So God says, I'm not waiting due to your schedule. I'm not waiting due to your panic. I'm not waiting due to your circumstances. I'm not waiting because I just like watching you dangle out there. I'm not waiting because I get my kicks at seeing you sweat. I'm not waiting for those reasons. Oftentimes he waits because there's a right moment when everything is in order. And, and the reason he does this is because once it's in his order and he moves, you know it's him and it's not your boss. And it's not fate. And it's not coincidence. It's him. Are you with me? So the question is, when it comes to breakthrough in your life, my life, our life, the question is, is everything in order? Now let me give you the example that we're dealing with this morning. Let's give... The example of redemption. Jesus' birth was the example of how many things had to converge and be in order for it to be the right moment for Mary to deliver the Christ child. There were massive things that God was putting in order in order for his son to come to this earth. He had to make sure the right rulers were in place. He had to make sure there was the right culture, the right environment. He had to make sure the right language had to be spoken. The right nations would be in rulership at that particular time. And some of this he did position sovereignly by his hand in order to fulfill the hundreds of prophecies that we read about in the Old Testament to come to pass in the life of his son Jesus Christ. He had to be true to his word. But at the same time as he sovereignly putting all of these things, nations and people and rulers and geography and language, and as he's putting all these things in place, he's also dealing with Mary who had to cooperate with what he was doing in order that the Messiah might come. He had to work in Joseph's life in a certain way, and Joseph had to cooperate. All the Christmas players and characters became willing participants in this magnificent story, but it all had to converge at the right place and the right time. It had to converge in order for God to break through. You're following me. If any of the players, I want you to let me get through this paragraph before someone jumps to their feet and says, wait a minute. 
If any of the players, listen to me, had been out of order or out of place or resistant or hard-hearted, there could have been, I personally believe there could have been some issues that could have put the brakes on the plan of God. Now, I want you to hear now the end of that statement. I don't believe anybody can thwart the plan of God. Here's the deal. If you don't want to get in the plan of God, he'll just find someone else who will get in his plan. That's the part you got to remember. You are not what's holding back the purposes of God in the earth. He will find somebody that will cooperate and be a part of his plan and his purposes. But the sad part is, is that if you resist it or you're hard-hearted in it or you want to be disobedient, God will circumvent blessings, miracles, and breakthroughs that he has for you because you don't want to get in that order. And so the important truth that we need to hear is some of the reason breakthrough may not be occurring in people's lives is because the lack of order in their life has put them out of position to see that take place. Did you hear that? Some of the reason breakthrough has not happened in people's lives is they have not put certain things in order so that they might be positioned to participate in the breakthrough that God has for them. And I, I'm, the reason I'm saying this to you is for this reason. God is not mean. And God's not being slow. You know, the Bible even says that. He says, God's not slack as some men count slackness. He says, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. The issue isn't God being slow. The issue is us being dense. And so the Lord is wanting to, to speak to us all and about getting life in order in order that he can be true to his nature and break through in our life so how do we get order back in our life you ever hear of the phrase he was in the right place at the right time and that deal that blessing that incredible thing happened to him i mean everybody's heard that haven't you i mean you've heard a friend maybe it's happened to you i just at the right place at the right time and wow this just happened it was incredible, or someone else, the right place, the right time, and, and there, was, there was what appeared to be like a coincidence, at least it was a blessing coincidence, that took place in their life. Now, I, I want to tell you that I believe that's more than just a saying, but it can be a truth for believers if we understand what God's doing in our lives and at those moments. It's not luck, it's not coincidence, it's not fatalism. But there's a precept in the kingdom of God that uh, he uses in order that you can get positioned to be in the right place at the right time for his breakthrough. Isn't that good? That's a good feeling, isn't it? It's a good feeling to know everything's in order so that God can move in a special way. Now I want you to turn back to the book of Isaiah because there's a prophecy here that everybody quotes but nobody gets. Isaiah chapter 9. It's a Christmas prophecy, verse 6, Isaiah 9, verse 6. You'll know it instantly as I begin to read it. Listen to me. Isaiah 9 and 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Now, 
those passages come on many Christmas cards that will be sent out uh, all over our nation and probably all over the world that will quote Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. I want, I want to break out of just the poetic Christmas card uh, motif and, and, and let me just break down what the prophet was saying there. He was saying that when the Messiah came, when the Christ came, it said that the government... Now, anytime we use the word government, most people instantly think of like Washington, D.C. Or they'll think of Columbia, South Carolina. They think of the, the political aspects of government. But the word government has been corrupted to mean only political, that which is political or, you know, a politician. But government, in its, in its purest form, actually means order. You know, there's an order to everything. Now, now I realize there are some people who think that, that liberty, living in liberty, means I can do what I want when I want and ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. And, and it's always been interesting to me because what some people define as control, I define as order. And there are some people who, who, who say they function in liberty, but I maintain if you analyze their life, they actually function in anarchy. Sometimes there are fine lines between those concepts. Some people walk around and say, I'm free, I'm free in Jesus. I'm just me and Jesus, and I'm just free as can be. And they're just so free, they don't have to read the word. I'm, just, I'm not bound to that kind of legalism. I'm just so free, I don't have to, I don't have to attend the, the house of God. I'm just free from all that stuff, just free. Well, no, you're not free. That's called rebellion. Isn't that amazing? Because that's, that's command. I've had people look at me and say, I'm not even under the Ten Commandments anymore because I've been set free from the law. Well, I understand what's being said in the scriptures probably better than the one that's announcing their freedom. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, Jesus, I'll just quote Jesus. Jesus said, I've not come to destroy the law nor the prophets, but to fulfill them. And, and so he's saying, he's saying, don't think for just a moment I've come to just smash everything into pieces. He said, but I have come in order to bring fullness to it, revelation to it. I have come to, to fill it full to overflowing. That there is an order, yes, there is a government, listen to me now, there is a government that he upholds, which means this, there is some things he doesn't uphold. Are you with me? He upholds some things, he lets loose of other things. And, and so we need to understand that when it comes to order, the order is upon his shoulder, it says, the increase of this government and peace, there'll be no end. So in other words, there's going to be a continual manifestation of this order. And it goes on to define it upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. So there's, there's an order that you've got to embrace. When, when Jesus came and set you free, he didn't set you free to do what you want. He set you free to serve him with a whole heart. He didn't set you free just so you could go out and just, just be absolutely unattached, independent, on your own. But he set you free from the slavery of sin, Paul said, in order that you might become a slave of his. I am no longer a slave to sin, but I am a slave of righteousness. Are you with me? And so there's an order that comes to that, that God works in and through in order to produce his good will and his good plan and his good purpose in your life. Listen to me. The reason we get frustrated at times that God's not doing what we think he ought to be doing isn't because he's not capable or because he's delaying or just getting his jollies off of making you wait. It is because he's saying, I can't move through disorder. 
and dysfunction. I can't do it. That's why he said in Deuteronomy 28, he said, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, then all of these blessings will come upon you. If you disobey, then all these curses are released. Now, that's just Bible. And, 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 and so what he says is, he says, begin to put order in your life. Now, I'm going to give you three quick questions that you need to address in order to get order. All right, these are three things you can ask yourself. I'm not going to be the Holy Ghost. You can, be, you can be a priest unto God and let the Holy Ghost begin to speak to you through three quick questions I want to give to you in order to begin to address order. Number one is, can you recognize the futility of disorder? That's my first question. Can you recognize the futility of disorder? What do I mean by that? I, I, I mean this. I am amazed at how much pain frustration and futility people will endure before they recognize that life is not working for them and that God is not moving. I mean, how many times does a person have to go to jail before they say, maybe this isn't working right? How many, how many times? How many relationships do you burn through before you finally say, you know what? Maybe the common denominator here isn't always them. I mean, how much pain, how far to the bottom of the barrel do you go before you get this revelation and say to yourself, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some things here that I need to take a second look at. You see, God allows the pain of disorder to provide the stress and the turmoil. Yes, God allows the stress and the turmoil in order to produce revelation in your life to your need. Sometimes, listen to me, sometimes this is the most amazing thing to me. I, I, and I've said this, I've said, well, I've looked at people and they've had difficult times in life. And, and I've thought to myself walking away, I've said to myself, surely, surely this catastrophe, surely this difficulty will be the one that brings them to the place where they fall on the altar of God and they cry out and they say, oh Lord, rule in my life again. Surely, surely this disaster will be the disaster. And lo and behold, it's not. It's not. Oh no, they can endure far more pain than that. And so they do. They have to wait until they get a total life breakdown. Sometimes it's just an aspect of life. Sometimes it's their whole life. But I want to just say, when are you going to see it? I've watched this for years. I've watched people have total life breakdown, come to the house of God. They'll do three or six months of getting their, getting their life right and trying to put some order back in their life, and they'll get a little relief. And as soon as they get that little bit of relief, they say to themselves, oh, I must be okay. And then they go right back to their disorder. And then they wonder why it all falls apart again. You've got to recognize this truth that, 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 dis, that, that difficulty comes to us in order that awareness can begin to be illuminated in our, our, in our mind. I, I mean, I mean God, God shuts people down also, or allows it. I'm not saying he does it, but I'm just telling you, if, if, you're, if you're stressed and your priorities are out of order and, and, and life is just crumbling before you, and I'm talking to guys, and you get this heart attack, and God spares you and saves you and, and raises you up. Are you smart enough to see that maybe something needs to change in your life? Are you with me? I'm just telling you. Mama packs up and leaves and says, I'm out of here. 
Are, are you hearing me? Maybe something needs to change. Are you hearing me? I mean, we've got to begin to see something's out of order. And do we see the futility of it? The good news is this. God can redeem anything. Isn't that good news? I mean, you can be at the bottom of the barrel, the end of your rope. And the good news is God can come and redeem it and, and, and raise it back up. And that's good news. But you've got to see that you're at the bottom of the barrel. You've got to see that you're at the end of your rope. You've got to see the futility of the disorder in order that you aren't in this perpetual cycle of up and down and all around. And your theme song is this. She'll be coming around the mountain. When she comes. Because one more time you'll go around that mountain. Come on now. You want God to do a breakthrough in your life? Do you see disorder? See the disorder. Number two. We could spend a long time on one. But number two is, can Jesus truly uphold the order you have chosen for your life? You know, many people will say, I've got an order to life, and that's great. They, they're very orderly, and, and they put some things in order in their life. But the question now is that once you recognize disorder, are, are, are you implementing proper order? You see, Jesus does not uphold everything that we choose to do. You can't drag him into your disorder and assume he's obligated to uphold it. Let, let me, I just wrote down a few things here. People, for instance, many people want breakthrough in their finances. And they'll come and they'll say, I need a breakthrough in my finance. And yet we violate the promises of the tithe and the offering and the commands of God in these areas, and yet we wonder why he's not working in this area. He says, prove me in this and see if I won't move. But yet we decide, we decide on our own, well, no, I'm not going to do this. I don't see it. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't think it. I've heard people say, I don't even think we ought to be doing it as, as believers. I've heard all of this stuff. And then they'll cry out and say, why isn't God moving in my life? Because he ain't upholding the order you've chosen to pre present before him. I mean, people want breakthrough in their circumstances. I'm just going to be honest, Hebrews 10, 25. It's not just because I want you here because I get a kick out of counting noses and heads and people who come to church, but the Bible says that we're to forsake not the assembly of ourselves together, as is the habit of some. But all the more, we're to encourage, exhort, and edify, even as we see the day appearing. Now, there's a reason for that. The reason for that is whenever we gather together, you're being instructed, there's worship, you, hopefully you're being uh, strengthened in your faith, you can be built up, you can hear from other people who can input your life, there are also many things that can happen within the context of our gathering. Now, do you get a vacation? Sure, you get a vacation. Do you, do you get to slip away at times? Sure. But if you're vacationing, you know, three weeks out of four every month, I mean, you're in trouble. And you can't say, why is God not breaking through? I'll never forget, years ago in Spartanburg, there was a lovely family. Lovely, lovely family. And, and the problem was they showed up about once every six weeks to the house of God. But I'll never forget, they would call up all the time saying, I need God to break through, I need God to move, I need God to... I'm, and I want to say, listen, get, get order. Get order. Because he ain't upholding what you presented to him. We want order in our relationships. We want God to break through and move. And yet we'll violate covenant and we'll violate the commands of God. Now, hear me. God may sovereignly move, I will agree, he can sovereignly do whatever he wants to do. But I just assure you that more times than not, he will allow the pain of the moment to begin to produce revelation in you in order that you might move towards obedience to him. And that's why he does it. He isn't out to hurt you. He doesn't want to 
be mean to you. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do. He's a good God who loves his people. But he looks, and after a while, come on now, is this not true? You've got friends, you've got family members, you've got loved ones. You've got people that you have sometime in your life probably stepped back from and have said to yourself, you know what? They're just going to have to learn that one on their own. Because God isn't going to uphold that. And so you can wait for his sovereignty, but it could be that your breakthrough is as close to getting some order back in your life. Number three. Last question, can you make the initial sacrifices needed to get yourself back in order? Now, again, I can't, you know, you say what, when it comes to order, Pastor, come on, give me some things. Listen, this is, this is our blueprint. This is our owner's manual. I, I mean, I feel like I know it fairly well, but I am amazed at how often things are revealed to me, even after preaching the gospel for as long as I've been preaching it, that are still amazing. And, I, and I'll say, I've never seen that before. And I'm, I'm accountable to that. And I have to implement that in my life. And I'm just here to tell you, I, you can go years and finally see something you've never seen before. But the question is, when, when that moment comes, will you make the sacrifices necessary and initially you'll have to make in order to put yourself back in order? order. I can't lie and I'm not going to mislead you. Getting life in order is not always easy. It's not easy. Thank you for that resounding amen. Getting order in your life's not easy. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not, I'm not, not going to somehow give you a commercial and, and make you think this is easier than it is. It's easy to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. His grace empowers and enables you. You confess your sins. You get honest and transparent before him. You repent, and you're on the road. That is easy. It, praise God for that, too. It's a free gift that you just have to receive. But here's the deal. Once you receive his lordship into your life, you have to then allow and cooperate his kingly stature and rule to manifest in your life in order that order might be represented around you, in you, and through you. And sometimes that means sacrifice. And here's the thing I want you to hear. You can spend 10, 20, 30 years of your life living it out of order. And then you get right with God or you want the Lord in your life again. And it's amazing. We give him about a week. Well, Lord, I'll give you a week. My clock's ticking. Kronos. Can I, can I share this with you? God may not take 30 years to untangle what you tangled. In fact, if you'll allow him to produce order in your life, I can almost assure you that if you just give him a year for every 30 you've wasted, I'd be willing to bet if I were a betting man, you'll be in better shape at the end of that year. In fact, I'd be almost willing to bet that you'd probably press through breakthrough and, and you would be a whole new person. Just one year out of 30. I, I mean, I believe that with all of my heart. It won't take as long as you think, but if you're going to give him 24 hours to get his his presence into your situation, or you're just gonna you're just gonna bolt and do it your own way, then you know what God says, see you later, you've got more pain coming your way. Will you make the sacrifices of change to get yourself positioned in him properly? Because you'll be amazed at how quickly things begin to happen. What does that mean? I have found in my life it meant clipping. Sometimes you gotta clip relationships that are toxic and dragging you down. Because you gotta get you gotta get faith. 
you got to get faith back in your system and you got to get your focus and, and, and you've got to clip some of those things. You can't hang around with the same crowd if you're with them and they're leading you down a wrong path. You're going to have to make sacrifices in order to do this. When things are out of order, it always takes an initial sacrifice to put it back in order. I mean, if, if we're living up, I mean, again, if we're living up to our nose or our eyeballs in debt and we say to ourselves, I can't afford to do God's financial plan, I understand you're looking at a paper and it ain't working out, so it's going to take some sacrificing. Maybe the, you know, maybe the, the $5 coffees are going to have to wait for a while in order for you to get some other areas. But can I tell you this? If you'll start proving him, trusting him, making those sacrifices, it won't be long. Before God breaks through. Amen. But you've got to do the sacrifice. You've got to do the work. You just can't all of a sudden say yes to his lordship and just become this spiritual couch potato and just say, I'm waiting. I've heard people say, oh, if he wants me to have it, he'll just do it to me. No, he won't. You've got, you've got to arise and you've got to cooperate with the plan. You, you've got to put some feet and some confession and some words and some changes and some sacrifices and some energy to it. I mean, we'll get up at the crack of dawn. I was talking to Brother Rod. He called me up. Uh, was it two, Wednesday? Well, actually, Thanksgiving Day. He called me up and wished me a happy Thanksgiving. And he, he said this. He said, tell everybody I was up at three and I killed. He said, we got our limit before seven. Now, he's a godly man, lives by godly principle. But I'm here to tell you, 3 a.m. was not too big a sacrifice to go shoot things in the swamp. I've been up early to go hit balls down the fairway. I've been up early. Some, I, I have a family member that got up early. She was one of those that got up early to go 3 a.m. to Best Buy. I'm going, I can't even believe that. Why would you tent outside of Best Buy? I'm sorry, an iPod is not worth a night's sleep to me. It is amazing what we'll do. Just one little circular and everybody will line up. But, get, but getting your life in order? Oh, pastor, you're asking way too much. It's just way too hard. Oh, it's so much easier. Oh, yeah, right. You, you drag the person up that you believe's living all that great, righteously, let, let me take a look. I, I'm, just, I'm to the point now, and let's say prove it. Let's prove it. I want to see people with the goods. I want to see people living it straight. I want to see people who aren't just holy on Sunday from 10 to 12, but they're holy Monday through Saturday. I want to see people who got it together. I want to see marriages that aren't perfect, but at least they're doing their best to stay together, live right. I want to see that. I want to see households that are that are praying and believing and I want to see these show me if it's that easy and I'm and I'm off base then you show me somebody who can cut church take the shortcut who doesn't have to obey the word of God you show me you show me drag them to me and say here's one and let me ask just three or four questions in their life and we'll figure it out because I'll guarantee you what you see may not be reality and I'm no rapper Order. Order. We rail about order. And God's saying, if you'd let me, if you'd let me uphold you, you'd have your breakthrough. 
Now, I, I want to say it again. God's not waiting for perfect people. Can we say amen? <laughs> or I'd be out. You'd be out. We'd all be out if God was waiting for everybody to perform absolutely perfectly. That isn't going to happen. I understand that. He, he gets it. He knows our nature. He gets it. Nobody's expecting perfection, but what is expected are those that when they get revelation, they get understanding, is to begin to implement and cooperate and walk out that which they know to be true. Amen. I'm telling you, I, I, I want to see God move in my life. And there are times we have said, if God ain't moving, then is there anything out of order? Let's take a look. I mean, I think, I think it would move heaven and earth just to have somebody ask the question. Is anything out of order? Because we just automatically assume we must be in order and God must be endorsing it. Really? Come on now, at least ask the question of the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, really? Is everything, do I really, is there anything in order here? And, and let him begin to spotlight things and you will be amazed at how faithful he will be. I'll never, I, I could tell you stories, story after story in our life where we made certain sacrifices and, and we implemented certain things in, in order to get back in order. And it's amazing how God will break through. And you know why God breaks through at that moment? It's to affirm your order. It's to affirm the movement. It's not, it's not meant to say you're perfect. It's meant to say, good, I'll break through on that. I'll break, I, I can move now. And then what he's going to do is He'll, he'll help and he'll assist and he'll walk with you and then you'll reach a place where things aren't working right, you need a breakthrough and the Lord will say, now it's my opportunity to tweak them a little bit more and bring them into righteousness, bring them into my government even more. God will do that. God will do that. And some of you, I know, need a breakthrough. But this is, the, this is where you gotta start. Is everything in order? I'm gonna ask a lot of other questions in these next five weeks. We aren't pounding you, we're just saying, let God bring order. It's not just any order, it's his order. It's not just what fits your schedule, it's his schedule. It's not just how you see it, it's how he sees it. And if you'll let him begin to do that in you, it's amazing the type of breakthrough you'll begin to see. Can you imagine, can you imagine if you were Joseph in this story, with your, with your wife, Mary, who you're betrothed to, you never had sexual relationship with her, but here she is pregnant, comes up pregnant, and she looks at her betrothed husband and says, hey, hey, Joseph, it's the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, you know, I'm just here to say I know how guys' mind work, and I'd be, the first, I'd be going, the Holy Ghost. This is a stretch. But the Bible says that he was a just and righteous man. The Bible says that God was able to speak to him in a dream and to prepare him for what was about ready to take place. And when they put all of that together out of the order of their lives, they were able to be used by God in the most significant world-altering way. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that, that after Christ was born and Herod instituted the slaughter that God spoke to him again in a dream and they had the wherewithal to find a breakthrough and miss death, literally, by fleeing to Egypt. We're going to talk more about that as well. Is that not amazing? Breakthrough. Breakthrough. 
Is it not amazing that you have absolutely zero money to your name? You had to leave your business in Nazareth in order to go to Bethlehem. And you're saying, how in the world is, are we going to have our needs met? And how in the world is all this going to fit together? And all you're doing is trying to be obedient because you received your marching orders from the Lord. And you show up and the baby's born. And you're saying to yourself, how am I going to afford all of this? And suddenly three magi show up and give you millions. I'd call that breakthrough. But do you think that breakthrough would have occurred if Joseph was a jerk? Mary said, not me. And they said, this isn't the natural kind of way things shake, but it's the God way it shakes. I'm here to tell you the world, I, I'm so amazed at how the world gives a certain counsel and we just suck it down because it's made sense for centuries. And it's wrong as rain. Wrong as rain. Wrong, 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 wrong. Amen. Visiting with Tyler. I, we, we, Tyler and I were talking, and he told a story about how he went and visited some friends and up at his old high school, and he sat down. And as he was sitting down, one of his old uh, teachers came and sat down with him, and they asked what he was doing, and he sort of shared what he'd been doing the last couple years. And the teacher affirmed, of course, it was nice to get that affirmation. But then they looked at the child and they said this, well, you know, but you probably need to go on to college, you probably need to do this and that and that. And, and all of a sudden, they just, they just spoke exactly, and I understand why they speak that. And I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just amazing to me how instantly we shift into, well, just because your whole class did it this way, that must be what you need to do too. And I, I, when we were visiting with Tyler, and I said, well, what did you think about that? And he said, well, I don't know about that. And I said, I'll tell you what I think about it. I think this. I think that is the way the world counsels, and maybe by and large, that is what most kids need to do. But the bottom line in our household is we're going to seek God, hear from him, find out what the word says, and we'll obey him. We will obey him. Amen. I'm talking to some now. You've got to, we've got to ask ourselves, are we going to obey God or just, are we just going to float along with what everyone else does and say, God, you just endorse me. And God says, I'm not endorsing that. I want breakthrough. I want breakthrough for my children. I want breakthrough through my household. I want breakthrough. Do you want breakthrough? Then stand with me. Everyone stand with me. And everyone together say, Holy Spirit, I give you right to illuminate me, to open my eyes, and open my heart, to evaluate my life, and to lead me into divine order. I need some breakthrough. I know God is able. He wants to do that. I delight in it. I know He delights in it. But I know I have a part. And so right now, I make the confession that activates my spirit to position myself in obedience, total obedience to your word and to your spirit who do not violate each other to bring order into my life and into my situation. Come on, keep speaking with me now. I promise, Holy, Holy Spirit, I promise 
that I will sacrifice even for a short season those things necessary to see order come. I trust you, Lord. You'll not leave me hanging. <laughs> You're not being mean to me. You're not dragging your feet. You're working when all's in order. I, I, I rebuke the spirit of the clock. And I receive eternal time. That you're putting things in order. Orchestrating around me. For the right time. The right place. The right people. Everything in order. That you might break through. And people might see you. In my life. In Jesus name. Did you mean that? If you meant it, give the Lord a hand clap then. If you really, really meant that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. One more time, every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, here's where order starts for someone in here right now. If, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, or if you know at this very moment you're alienated from God, you're wayward, you've sinned, you've broken You've broken that, that fellowship, that sense of fellowship with him. Yeah, and you know, you, you, you know, you just, there's some things, just basic levels that have to get right. We're praying right now. Everybody has their heads bowed and their eyes closed. We're praying for you. Because it's not about tweaking your life. It's not about just getting some Jesus things around your life. It's about giving your life to the Lord. Totally. It's, it's not working at the edges. It's getting to the core. Will you give your core to him? That's where it starts. And you'll be amazed. I've, I've watched this for years. I've, I've, watched, I've watched people who have, who have lived uh, or said they love the Lord for 20, 30, 40 years not have as many breakthroughs as the person who just has a few months under their belt. Because the, the, the person that just recently maybe gave their heart or got things right with God, they've got a heart for that order. They've got a heart for his precept in his righteousness where the, the person that's walked for decades they, 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 they've, they've seen it all, know it all they've done it all, got the t-shirt been there, and, and they're no longer open they're no longer open they're just sort of know-it-alls and, and I'm just suggesting no matter how long you've walked, I, I'm not here to offend anybody that's walked with the Lord I've walked with the Lord three decades so I, I understand how easy it is just to, just to do what we do so I'm not here to offend anyone but I am here to ask you at this moment, are, are you being honest? Are you allowing him, whether it's your first day in the house of God or whether you've been in the house of God for decades, are you letting God continually present his order to you? If you're not, then you're missing breakthrough. You're missing a breakthrough. But I encourage you this morning, it's an opportunity. That's the good news. The good news is that he's a God of a second, third, fifth chance. If you come in genuine repentance, if you come genuinely saying, I, I, want, I want change, I need breakthrough, I'm, 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 willing, I'm willing to do what God asks of me to do. I'm willing to be teachable. I'm telling you, God, God can do in the next 30 days some incredible things in your life. I believe that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Holy Spirit, I know you've been talking to people and we've only got a few moments left. I know many of the folks that are here today love you a lot. and They're doing their best. But Lord, there may be some I don't even know, might not even realize, 
that you're knocking at their heart's door and you're saying, you know what, it's time I got back on the throne. It's time I started calling the shots again. It's time that you let me be master, ruler in your life. Lord, it might not be some egregious sin. It could be sins of simple attitudes or dispositions. Lord, I, I'm not here to define it. James 4, 17 says, To him who knows what is right and does not do it, to him it's sin. So, Holy Spirit, I, I'm sure you can point out any one of a number of things. But the key is, will I be honest and bring you back into the equation? Lord, to keep knocking right now as we give just a short invitation with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you need to get something right between you and God, I want to pray with you. And this is what we do here. We just call people out to come and, and to stand with me. The reason we do that is because I just think there's something really important about that. One has come. You won't be the only one. So if you'd like to come, I need you to come right now just say I want to get some things right I just want to say publicly I'm going to get some order back in my situation by getting Jesus back on the throne where he needs to be that's you they're coming they're coming you're welcome to kneel if you'd like you're welcome to stand if you'd like it's up to you they're coming that's you just come on we're just going to spend some time in prayer I know a lot of our folk are traveling and are out of town but you know what God knew you would be here he knew he knew he knew he knew, and he loves you. And he wants to see good things happen in your life. But he's calling you now to order, order, order. How about it? You won't be alone. We have courageous people already here, courageous people. How about it? How about you? I can only give another moment or two, and then I'm going to pray. Don't wait me out. Just right now. Just right now. The last few moments, right now. How about it? How about you? How about you? grateful for the ladies that have come how about it guys are there any are there any guys any guys God knocking at your heart's door he loves you I'm gonna pray here I'm gonna pray here right now I'd like to invite some of the ladies that work with Trace if you come on down and just gather up we're just gonna pray everybody in the house now we're gonna pray together aren't we we're gonna agree if any two agree on earth as touching it in heaven, it shall be done. I want you all to pray as you've gathered here at the front, and all the congregation is going to join with you this morning. We're all going to pray right now. Everybody, dear Jesus, I sensed you knocking today, and I'm responding. I confess now all waywardness, all disorder, all rebellion. And I choose to turn from that I repent and walk towards you the God of order and I invite you in fresh and anew to set up your throne and rule in my heart and rule in my life I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead to empower me to a new life and new order and I'm thankful for that I receive that fullness I receive that revelation and I commit to you today with your help I'm implementing precepts I'm anticipating a breakthrough come on now I'm anticipating a breakthrough come on one more time I'm anticipating a breakthrough 
I need one. I want to do my part. Thank you, Lord. You're preparing that breakthrough even now. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Come on now, let's give the Lord a hand. He's the God of breakthrough. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I'm asking this section, you ready for a breakthrough? Oh, that three of you. Are you guys ready for a breakthrough? Are you really ready? Come on, Robert, I see you, man. You ready for a breakthrough? Amen. Amen. How about this section? You ready for breakthrough? I'm going to give you another. Now are you ready for breakthrough? How about you guys? You ready? God's breaking through. Are you ready for breakthrough? How about a legacy? Are we all ready for a breakthrough? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we anticipate something good this week. Man, something good is stirring in the earth. So, Lord, we don't want to miss it. <laughs> we sure don't want to miss it. Lord, I pray right now. I pray right now we'd have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to obey. Lord, I thank you for a people that has done exactly that. Lord, I, I, I believe we'll be a church, a breakthrough. Lord, I believe this city needs a breakthrough. Lord, we, we want a city to break through and they need a first fruit to break through. And let, let us, Lord, we, we would really like to be a first fruit to break through. But Lord, you're going you're gonna to put some order in us all. And so we receive it gladly from your hand. We don't, we don't resist it. We don't wrestle with it. But we smile and say, it's your way. You are the way. The way, the truth, and the life. And we gladly walk in it. And so, Lord, bless your folk as we go our separate ways and we get the holidays started off right and, and midweek happens and all the rest, Lord. I just speak safety and blessing as we go our separate ways in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Hey, love each other, encourage each other, and you're released. God bless you. We'll see you on the Lord's Day.